Hello everybody, my name's Abby and I would like to welcome you to the uh, PISD Board of Trustees um, Forum for Place 2 today um, and I'm joined today by Dana Oshowitz who is a candidate for that place um, and I did invite all candidates, there are two other candidates in that race, one is the incumbent and that is Angela Powell, um, she did, she's unable to make the, uh, the candidate forum today and also Ajit Gwagafeli and he is also unable to make this forum so you're going to hear totally from Dana today um, but please do drop your comments ask your questions and um, and do listen along as you get to know Dana so that you're getting ready to vote um, and it's very important that you if you haven't registered already you have till April 1st to register and early voting starts on April 19th and election day is May 1st so we have nine questions today for Dana um, and I have really kind of thought long and hard as to which questions would be appropriate. And I really hope that these represent um, all of the things that all of you mums are looking to understand. Um, so Dana, please introduce yourself. Thank you very much, Abby, and thank you for having me. So my name is Dr. Dana Osherwitz, and um, I am a professor at SMU, and actually I'm in, a, in educational administration. Um, I oversee general education. I have lived in Plano ISD for 19 years. Um, small footnote, um, I've never lived in Plano proper, but I have lived in the district in two different, in Allen and North, far North Dallas. Um, and um, I am running for basically three reasons. One is that um, I felt it important to have that representation from the parts of the district that are outside Plano on the board. Um, and I also am running because I am a first-gen uh, college graduate. So, and totally the public, the product, the product of public education. So, I believe in education. And finally, there are no educators on the board, um, and I felt very strongly that we probably should have an educator on the board. Thank you very much, Dana. So, the first question I'm going to ask you today is: Why is now the right time for you to join the board of trustees? Well, I think. I, in part, I gave an answer to that with, with two of my uh, reasons for running, which is one that I felt that um, the, the parts of um, Plano ISD that lie outside of Plano um, really need um, a voice on the board and need attention. Um, and particularly, I live in far north Dallas now, um, and th that has an interesting and very diverse population. A lot of the high need students live um, in this part of the district. And um, with the concerns about equity um, and closing the achievement gap, I felt it really important to have, uh, to, to give that part of the district a voice. Um, the, other, the other thing is, um, as I said, I, I really feel that there ought to be an educator on the board. Now, not everybody on the board needs to be an educator. In fact, you, you need a big, a good mix of skills. Um, and you've got legal expertise on there. You've got somebody that understands um, finances and um, school, school funding and school finance. You've got somebody that understands nonprofit. Um, at the moment, there's a STEM person and hopefully there will be another STEM person. Um, but I, I, I do feel it is important to have in that mix somebody that really understands education and understands it not just from the theoretical point of view, but who has been in the classroom. Um, and although I'm in higher education now, I did start out in K through 12 in Texas and I have taught middle and high school. 
Um, so I have that experience all the way up. I understand college readiness intimately. Um, that's what general education is. It's the part you're getting students ready for. And so I really felt like there's a knowledge gap on the board that I could, I could fill. Thank you very much, Dana. So here's a really great, very general question. And this is really for those moms who maybe are new to the area or haven't really kind of spent a long time researching what the PISD Board of Trustees is or does. Um, so what does a board trustee do? Yes, and, I, and I'll preface this by saying I, I've served on the SMU Board of Trustees. So they're, they have analogous roles. So I actually do understand this from the inside. Um, the, the board primarily is charged with ensuring that um, the, the school district delivers an excellent education. So it does not directly manage the schools, but it does have oversight and input into what we could call the three Ps, which is priorities. So they, they set strategic priorities, policies, and personnel. So they have the final sign off on hiring or um, in those unfortunate cases, termination. Um, they also oversee the budget, um, which means they're deciding how resources are being allocated and um, how, how taxation is, is um, contributing to the budget. Um, and so I think that the strategic role is very important because they can be the ones to set within the guidelines set by the state of Texas. They can be the ones to set the priorities for the district and, and decide what sorts of new programs, if new programs are possible, they're pursuing, you know, they're gonna make decisions about districting, redistricting and zoning. They're going to make decisions about new construction and all sorts of high level things like that. They'll also set pragmatic policies um, in terms of how everyday um, issues play out um, in the schools. Um, and then of course, although they don't directly manage the schools, they do directly manage the superintendent um, and the internal auditor. So they have direct oversight of two key personnel um, in the school district. Thank you, Dana. So prior to running for the PISD school board, what was your experience within the PISD community? And how do you think that experience makes you the ideal candidate for the school board? Well, I will confess that um, my um, involvement in PISD has been in terms of like volunteerism and things somewhat limited outside of membership in a few um, PTAs. I, I have not been that directly involved um, in PISD or kids activities or things like that. Um, I, I have a lot more experience um, in terms of involvement in higher education, both in my professional responsibilities and in you know, service. So as I said, I, I served on the board of trustees at SMU and it's got an analogous role. I also had a crazy moment and I served as president of the faculty um, senate at SMU. And that was an interesting experience. Um, and I've been involved in, I, I brought a, an international conference to Dallas. So, so prior to now, I would say that most of my service involvement has been focused in higher education, but I had a moment where I thought, oh my goodness, you wouldn't be here, but for public education and those teachers that encouraged you, my parents never went to college. And so you don't really know how to navigate that without really good support from the schools. And I thought it's really time for me to go and give back to that K through 12 side of things. The thing that got me into education in the beginning and really try to 
ensure that Plano schools remain excellent for all students? So the part B to that question um, is how are you different then from the other candidates? Well, I think primarily I'm different in that educational experience that I have, that breadth and depth of educational experience. There are a couple of people on the, on the board who have taught K through 12, although it's been some time, but um, I'm really the only, I, I, I have almost 30 years. I don't like to admit that, but I have almost 30 years in education now. Um, and I've seen it from every end. I've taught middle school, I've taught high school, I've taught at the university level, I've taught graduate students, undergraduate students, I've um, managed faculty, I managed the largest department at SMU, I've designed curriculum, I've designed assessment programs. Um, so uh, so I, I really have, I think, the, the, the sort of full view of education, of what the trends are, what the research says, and how K through 12 fits into not only higher education, but career preparedness. So I think I bring that to the board and I bring the experience of being in the classroom every day. And that's really valuable. You know, I had to teach through COVID. Um, I had to adapt to the way I taught like everybody else did to virtual. I had to learn all of that. So when we talk about those kinds of issues, I live those things. I have direct experience of those. And I think I can, of course, you always want to talk to teachers and, and to the personnel in the district, but I, I have empathy because I've lived many of the same things that they uh, are living. And, and that's really what I think distinguishes me. Thank you very much, Dana. So in preparation, um, what PISD administrative people or prior school board members have you worked with in preparation for running for this position? So I, um, I talked to at length to one former um, administrator. I'm, I'm talking to some principals. I haven't yet, uh, current principals next week and the week after, but I talked to Roxanne Burleson. I'm, I'm lucky that I'm at SMU and we have a wonderful um, school of education. So I can go talk to people there. And one of our uh, faculty there is a former principal at PISD. So I did have conversations um, with her. And in terms of former school board members, I've talked to several, um, I have the support actually of several former school board members. Um, and the people that gave me sort of the most advice and support and help um, were Missy Bender um, and Yoram Sullivan. Um, and uh, I also have the support of Carolyn Mobius. So they've been invaluable um, in terms of everything from understanding really from the inside how the board works to um, things to do when campaigning, which is something I know nothing about. <laughs> I've had a steep learning curve there. Um, and so I, I'm really grateful that they were willing to give their time and, and their input. Yeah. And as I said, I, I, mean, I, I oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, you know, I, I, um, I'm very aware that the, any position on the board of trustees for PISD is very involved. And so you have to be really prepared and understand the kind of uh, gravity of what it is that you're hoping to be elected to do. And of course, it's a voluntary position as well. So, you know, I, I do. Um, I, that's why this question is so important, I think. Yes, no, absolutely. You, it would be silly, really, to undertake a decision to run for a position like this without having a really good understanding of what is involved. Um, and so I'm grateful to them for giving me their time. And as I said, I'm looking forward to 
talking to um, some principals in the district to, to hear their advice and input as well. Great. So question number five, we're about halfway through. Um, if faced with another similar pandemic to COVID-19, which I really hope doesn't happen again, um, how would you like to see the school district respond? So I want to put a caveat on this and then a, a point of disclosure before I answer. So the first thing is, and I know you know this, but I just want to point this out. Not all pandemics are the same. So I'm glad you said if it's a similar pandemic, because if we, God forbid, dealt with an Ebola outbreak, nothing that we did in COVID would, would work. <laughs> um, so having said that, I will say also, I was directly involved in COVID planning. I was on the emergency oversight and the Emergency Operations Council for SMU. So I, did, I was involved in the COVID planning for SMU. And I say that because I know firsthand that schools, including Plano ISD, had to pivot very quickly, um, change operations um, with very limited information and almost no time. And there was no roadmap for this. None of us had ever experienced anything like this before. So I think it's important to give a bit of grace um, to what the school district did. It, it did a very good job in the sense that it kept school going, um, it kept students learning, and it kept them safe in this really unknown, unexplored um, territory. So they, they get high marks for that. Um, was the response perfect? No, um, but I don't know anybody that had a perfect response. Um, one thing I think that we did at SMU that I might, um, have liked to CPISD do or would recommend should we face this again is having what I would call a differentiated response. In other words, the district had a plan by grade level, but that plan was the same or, or educational level, you know, the high schools and middle schools and the elementary schools. It was the same for all schools. And we had a more differentiated response at SMU, even though we were a single campus other than our Taos campus, we defined operational levels and we said, you know, if, if the cases look like this, then we're going to do this thing. And if the cases look like that, we're going to do that thing. And if the cases look like this, we're going to do that thing. So it gave us some flexibility to adapt as, as the situation changed, which it did, you know, we had periods of higher um, levels of transmission and periods of lower levels of transmission. And I think that's something I would advocate for the district because it might have allowed, um, you know, in-person learning at the high school level during different periods of time, if not for the whole, the whole period of time. Um, and I know that's something that parents have a concern about. So that's probably the main thing that I would recommend um, doing differently if, if we face this situation again. But of course we know a lot more and many things might, might be done differently. Yeah, thank you, Dana, for that. So PISD has had attention in the past um, due to a history of bullying. Um, Samarion's experience brought PISD back into the spotlight most recently. How could PISD do better when it comes to handling bullying fully and equally in all campuses? And what actions would you like to see happen in the future to further prevent bullying? Yes. Yeah, so I, I will say I was hearing about bullying from parents before the Sumerian and former students before the Sumerian incident. And that was an extremely, um, I don't have the words for that. 
um, incident. But um, I think that I, I would have liked to see much more quickly in that case, a, a firm denunciation of behavior like that. Um, and, a, and a very quick and firm statement that BISD will not allow any student to be treated in that way on or off campus. Um, I, and I think that kind of statement and that sort of messaging is important because it sets a tone. Um, so that's, that's one thing. I think that if you really wanna solve a problem, you have to understand what the nature and extent of the problem is. So I really think the district, it's, it's listening to parents now. And I think that's very important, listening to the community and, and the experiences. But I think it needs to do that in a strategic and data-driven way where it really tries to take into account what's happening, how often is it happening? What kinds of things are we seeing? Is it the same at every school? Are you seeing it more problems in some schools, less problems in other schools? Who's managing it well? Who's not managing it well? And then you can put that together and come up with a strategy, not, and I think this is important, not just to address bullying and bias when it occurs, but to try to prevent it. Um, if you have a good understanding of what is going on, then you're better positioned to be able to try to prevent it. And so absent that, you know, really good information about what the total experience is in the district, I don't think I would say specifically do this or do that. But I think once you have that information, you could come up with a plan that addresses it and prevents it. And you would want, I think, to involve the community at every stage of the way. You would want to have a good communication plan, including talking to students about these things and why they're not acceptable. Um, I will tell you, I'm going to brag on our Gerald Turner, the president of SMU, a little bit here. He tells students at the beginning um, or during every opening convocation when new students come in, he stands up there and he says, every Mustang is valued. You will treat every person on this campus with respect. And if you are not going to live by that, you need to go somewhere else. And I think messaging that and talking about those things is, is really very important as well as taking action. Thank you, Dana. So what does diversity, equity and inclusion mean to you? If elected, how would you advocate for diversity and inclusion practices and policies across the district? So three, those are three different but related things, right? So diversity to me means simply having a, a, a group of people with a wide range of backgrounds and experiences and, and different cultures and things like that. Um, and so Plano is diverse and Plano ISD is diverse. So I don't know that in terms of creating diversity in the district, we need to advocate for that because it's there. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute because we might, we might need to advocate to embrace it a bit more or to recognize it a bit more and take it into account a bit more, but it's there. Equity for me means making sure that every student, regardless of their background or experience, has every opportunity to be successful in school and beyond. So that's really our our charge, that's our mission, making sure that we educate all students to the best of their potential so that they have the best chance for success. And then inclusion is, which is related to both of those, but it's different, 
means making sure that everyone has a voice, making sure that everyone has equal access to resources, and then making sure that everybody feels valued and heard. So as I said, I think Plano has a lot of diversity. I think we're more diverse than Dallas, I read somewhere. Um, but what we need to ask ourselves is whether we have achieved equity, almost no place has fully achieved equity, but whether we're making the progress toward equity that we want to, and whether we're fully inclusive. Um, and so I think being mindful and being inclusive, being mindful of the diversity and being inclusive is really important. So that's where I would start. And that means you have to have representatives of all your key stakeholders and all the different parts of your community involved in the decision-making, which means you have to be listening to people and often seeking them out and seeking their input when you're making decisions. Um, and you have to be intentional about that. And I had a conversation, I had a, a meet the candidate event recently, and I was talking to a lot of parents that were very involved in the district. And they said, and this is an example of inclusiveness, they said, who decides who gets to run for the board? I mean, we volunteer for all sorts of things, but no one ever asks us to run for the board. And we feel like we represent, you know, parts of the community that are not represented on the board. So it's not that anybody's keeping them off the board, but their question was more, is there an intentional strategy to make sure that we're including all, all of these people that are very committed to the school district and getting them involved on the board? And that's, that's inclusion. And that's what we need to be doing in the classroom. That's what we need to be doing at the school level. We need to be very intentional about making sure we are including everybody and listening. And, and I would just simply be a voice for that and, and raising that question whenever we're doing something. Um, and then equity is a different problem because, or it's not a problem, but it's a different goal because students have different backgrounds. And so you have to really work and think about where are these students going? What is their backgrounds? What are their needs? And trying to be very intentional about making sure you're meeting the needs of this very diverse group of students in this very ever-changing world to get them to where they're going. So there are a couple of things I think we should be doing that we're maybe not doing. I, I would advocate for more academy and magnet schools because there's a lot of evidence that the students do better and learn better when they're motivated and interested. And those kinds of schools um, give students that interest boost and enable them to overcome different hurdles and um, close the achievement gap. And that's been demonstrated. And then another place where I think we could close the equity gap a little bit, um, and in fact, um, some school districts down the street do this, is through du two dual language immersion programs. So that helps um, equalize the situation between English learners and English speakers who want to learn languages. And when you put them together, um, because you always want to be able to talk to your friends, they, they will pull each other up. So I have some concrete ideas about things we could do about equity. Um, and I think inclusion and inclusiveness is something you just have to be mindful about and work at. And we've got diversity down. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dana. I know that's a really big question. So I appreciate the depth that you went to with that. So the pressure on our school finances is an ongoing issue due to Robin Hood recapture um, and the potential for school vouchers also being used outside of PSV for other types of schools. 
What is your view on protecting and advocating for PISD in this respect? Yes, and of course, the district doesn't directly decide these things. This is decided by the legislature, but we can we can advocate. And I, I, I think that most people who pay attention to this issue um, have reached the conclusion because the evidence takes you there that the way that we fund public schools in Texas isn't working. Um, it, it, the, the Robin Hood, so-called Robin Hood, the recapture system was proposed um, to try to close the equity gap between um, schools that were seen as lower resource and schools that were seen as higher resource. It hasn't done that. Um, it is, in some ways it's exacerbated the problem and that's because the, the state sees districts as homogenous, right? So they look at Plano and they say, it's an affluent district, but it's, it's actually much more diverse than that. Um, so I would really advocate for rethinking how we do school finance in Texas. And I would advocate for the state to step up and do its part because it's used recapture as a kind of a screen so that it can reduce its contributions to education and it benefits greatly from an educated population. So I think it should support that. You mentioned vouchers. Um, I do not support vouchers. Um, I'm, I'm very pragmatic. So if I saw evidence that they worked, I probably would support them. But the evidence is that they do not work. I, there's a lot of evidence because they've been tried many places. If you look at the state of Indiana, for example, where they've introduced them, it's been a huge drain on the, the finances of the public schools. Um, student achievement in the public schools has gone down. Um, and what they found is the students using vouchers were by and large the students who were already in private school. So I would say that by an objective measure, that's a train wreck and we really should fight that and try to introduce, as I said, choice options within the public schools, which have been shown to work better. Um, but we desperately need to rethink how we're funding our schools. And I would say that loudly to anyone who would listen. Thank you, Dana. So this is the final question. So with declining school registrations at the pre-K and kinder levels um, and an aging population and school finances tied to attendance, uh, what can PISD do better in retaining and attracting more students to be enrolled that may be choosing other options like homeschooling, charter or private schools? Well, I'm, I'm gonna say something radically simple and, and I'll say that I'm saying it because I, I live in a world where we're always competing in an educational marketplace, but we know that. Nobody automatically goes to any college. They have to think about it and make a choice. And so everybody in higher ed operates on that assumption. I think public schools are operating in a marketplace, but they don't always realize that they are. Um, the academy schools, the IB Academy and um, the Plano Academy, they recognize it and they do things to try to showcase what their achievements are, showcase what they have to offer, invite people in to see what they're doing, encourage people to think about them as an option. And consequently, people go there. But I think the other schools are not operating in that mindset. And I don't think it takes a lot of money or much time or effort to do that. I think it's having more searchable websites with better information on them 
It's having open houses at the time the private schools are having their open houses. So students can come in and see, do a one-to-one -one comparison and see what's going on. It's simply, I think, putting the information out there and inviting people to make that comparison in an explicit way because Plano schools are excellent. Um, and I think if they had the mindset that they need to showcase that and that they are competing, they would be more competitive in that uh, competition. And, and, and we have to be mindful that people are thinking about where they're going to buy their homes. So that competition is not just students in the district thinking about what they might do. It's about drawing people to come live in Plano and attend our excellent schools as well. Thank you very much, Dana. Well, that was my very last question. And um, I want to thank you for sharing your uh, answers with us and also mainly for just putting yourself in this position to be um, potentially voted into the Board of Trustees. It is a huge commitment um, and I really respect the um, your willingness to do that. Um, so I want to encourage everybody to um, to ask any questions of Dana to kind of check out her website and um, and know she is running for place two alongside two other candidates as well. So when you're going to cast your ballot, you'll be informed and you'll be able to make a choice that you feel is right for you and your family. Um, so Dana, thank you very much for today and, um, and look forward to the next few candidate sessions for you to watch. Thank you. Thank you very much, Abby.